what I said, so Brett <laughs> said, I am on double the pain meds right now. My pain management doctor called me up and said, take double, take twice as much. I'm, I'm taking, a, took 600 milligrams of, of gabapentin this morning, uh, for example. And so it lessens the pain. That's what I told him. And if a light burns out, I can fly up there and change it right now. So, so that's, the, that's the thing that I'm, I'm, I just wanted to let you know what was going on. It's Father's Day. Nobody's surprised by that. So men, what will you leave your children? That's a question that I have. I've got several questions for you. But what will you leave your children? See, men typically work to provide for their families and have a reasonably good life. That means that you provided housing and clothing and food for, for them. And, and that also means sometimes that you provided things like, uh, you know, baseball gloves, ballerina slippers, and maybe even a car someday for you that wouldn't want one of those cars. But the thing is, is that make no mistake, God requires this of men for their families. They must provide. First Timothy chapter 5 verse 8 says, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Do you realize what that says? You realize that says that I don't care if you say, well, I go to church every week. I do all kinds of things. But if you do not provide for your family and you provide in such a way that you can, it's the best. And you don't spend it all on yourself because you're not providing for your family when you're spending it all on yourself. But if you don't do that, you're worse than an unbeliever. That's what it's, the scripture says there. Men are supposed to supply their families. But I've also heard of men that will constantly say, well, I tell you what I'm going to do. My family becomes before my job. And I understand when you say your family comes before your job. But what they will do is, is that on, the, on, the, on any moment, they will, be, they will go to every baseball game, everything that they're, every recital, everything that there is. And even though it is during work hours, and they'll cut out their work and they won't go. And I want to say to those men, do you realize that if you're going to do that, you need to plan that so that your work does not suffer because you still have to provide for your family and when you're at work you're doing something that God wants you to do he wants you to provide for your family and so you have to plan for those times that you're going to take off I have no problem with taking off I have no problem with putting your job first I don't have a problem with either one of those things what I, I'm putting your uh, family before your job rather I don't have a problem with putting your family before your job I don't have a problem with that but you need to recognize that there's going to be some times that you're going to miss some things because you are doing this job right here you're taking care of your family but some of you may be thinking that you will leave your family an inheritance. Well, the Bible addresses that too. It says in Proverbs thirteen twenty two, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Do you realize who those people are? The children's children. It says, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. That's an abundance of inheritance. In fact, you, some of your inheritance should go to your grandchildren. Do you realize what that's saying there? And it will go to your grandchildren, not simply to your children. So even if you have a great inheritance, even if that inheritance is so great that it goes to your grandchildren and it makes them wealthy, 
however much you have provided through your physical assets, you leave your family, they will someday be gone. Understand that? And you want them to be gone. You want, if you're going to leave something for your family, you want it to be used for something because money and possessions have no value unless you use them. But the question I have for you men is this. Will you be remembered after your grandchildren are gone? For I find that many people cannot tell me much about their great-grandfather unless they have done a, a genealogical search and got something from all of that. They cannot usually give me more than five sentences about their great-grandfather. And I find that most people don't know who, maybe they, they may know the name of their great-grandfather. I've heard some people say my great-grandfather was a preacher. I could even say, where did the preach? And they may not even know that sort of thing. So the situation is, is that will you be remembered after your grandchildren are gone? Well, you can leave a lasting impression two different ways. The first one is you can leave scars. You can hurt your children in such a way that it will leave a lasting impression Numbers 14, 18 says, The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression. But he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation. I need to explain that a little bit there. We're talking about leaving scars and those scars can go to the third and the fourth generation. For God does not punish the children for their father's sins. The Bible even says this, folks. In fact, he does not punish the fathers for their children's sins either. Ezekiel 18.20 says, The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father, nor the father suffer for the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. So how do I explain that Numbers fourteen eighteen passage? Many men, when they treat their children harshly, when they treat their, their children in such a way that it's in an ungodly way, they are establishing a characteristic in their children's lives as their children observe and even participate in the sins of the father. I've found that men who, who establish racism in their children, when they speak illy or, or they speak as other races as being inferior, they develop that racism in their children. Their children follow the same pattern. The racism that was in the father... Racism comes in the children. Men establish unfaithfulness when they're unfaithful. And that is a, a, one of the hardest things to, to realize, that the child has to break out of the unfaithfulness that has been set before them if they're unfaithful. And drunkards, drunkards often have children who become drunkards. In fact, according to the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry, children of alcoholics are four times more likely to become alcoholics. So this is statistics that we can see that you can leave a scar. And so what happens is the child becomes an alcoholic and then what happens is their child becomes an alcoholic and then they're, you see how it's to the fourth generation already? You see what I'm saying to you then? When I was in Houston, 
The associational director of missions challenged us to find the history of the area we were in. And what he was saying to us was, is that when you find the history of that area, you might also find the problems that are coming into the church because they're not caused by the church. They're caused from the outside and the people are bringing them into the church. And in one area that I said, one area, I'm talking about a closely knit area. This wasn't in Houston, in this closely knit area. Within a very short period of time, the Nazarenes fired their pastor. The Presbyterians did the same thing. The Southern Methodists uh, fired their pastor. The, um, the um, regular Methodists, the United Methodist Church, that guy begged the bishop for him to get out. I mean, I happen to know because he said, I'm begging the bishop right now to get out of this area. I talked to the cowboy church and he said this was a preacher's graveyard. These are the words that this cowboy church uh, pastor told me. He said, this is a preacher's graveyard. So I began to look at the background. I went back 150 years in that area and found out that there was rebellion that against authority in that area by the families that were in that area. They had rebelled against all authority. And guess what? Those people continued to live in that area. In fact, is, is that if a baby was born, you would find four generations show up on the day the child was born because they still lived in the area. Four generations of them right there, boom, right in front of you. And what had happened was as that rebellion against authority was in, in fact, in one church, one church, they had run off or fired every pastor for 25 years. I went back 25 years on them. Okay, understand is what is going on. And so what has happened is as the, the fathers and mothers had the rebellion in there, they passed it on to their children and they stayed in the area and they passed it on to their children and they stayed in the area and, they, and, and that's what happened. They had a rebellion in that area. So the scars that are created remain long after you are gone. So that's the first thing way you can leave a lasting impression. The second way you can leave a lasting impression is you can leave a legacy of faith. Now, there are fewer people leaving a legacy of faith because a positive legacy requires people to be more than casual Christians. You can't be a casual Christian and leave a legacy of faith. See, positives must be extremely positive to even be noticed. I mean, realize airplanes fly and land every day. We don't go out there and, and praise every pilot that comes along and they land an airplane. And fact is, is that I have seen a lot of times that pilots have landed planes in winds that you couldn't imagine and they still landed the plane. I've been on many planes that they've come in sideways and we've landed the plane. So they understand this is the kind of stuff that goes on every day. And we say, okay, that's good. That's very, but it's very casual in terms of the pilot world. So Sully comes along and he loses both engines and he manages to take that plane, which I would almost say you lose both engines, you're going to lose a lot of lives. I'd just be what I would tell you, especially in a, a uh, pop, populated area. It's very hard to put down the plane anywhere. And he manages to put it down in the water. Every person gets out alive on that plane. That's quite a miracle. Yes. And what was it? It was a positive that was so great that everybody noticed it. That's the way it is. So when you're going to do something positive that is going to be noticed, which is going to be noticed by your children, you have to do, you must use energy that you aren't currently using. 
You must give up some things that maybe you don't like doing. You could start doing some things that maybe you're saying, I don't want to do because of the time. You, you know, I would say to men, if you want to start somewhere, why don't you start with the, the uh, Knights of the 21st Century? Why don't you join some of those guys and do that? I'm telling you what, you've got to start somewhere and you've got to do something in order to, that's not, that's not in the, your regular path right now. And see, you've got to spend some time you don't want to spend and you must be interested in things that maybe you don't, you're not interested in. For you are building a legacy that is going to outlive you. When you look at the history of Israel, you find a pattern. You find that there's a generation that one, they knew the Lord. It says they knew the Lord. And what they were doing is that meant when they knew the Lord, they were doing the works of the Lord. The next generation, you just follow along and you look at the history of Israel. The second generation, they knew the works of the Lord. It doesn't say that they knew the Lord. It says they knew the works of the Lord. And then you get to a third generation and it says they neither knew the Lord nor did they know the works of the Lord. You can look that up in scripture and you can follow that pattern. What was going on here? They have somebody who was uh, there and they knew the Lord and then their children, they came along with them and they knew the works of the Lord, but they didn't know the Lord like their parents did. And then the next generation has, they have, they don't know the Lord. And I can almost guarantee that most of you, you were probably raised in a, in a home that you came to know the Lord early. And I would say your parents knew the Lord. But what happens with the second generation, unless you make a decision yourself that you are going to establish this legacy yourself, that you will know the works of the Lord, but your children will neither know the Lord nor the works of the Lord. And that's really sad. You see that one generation knows them, the next generation knows the works. The next generation doesn't even know the Lord. See, so I say to you dads, do you want to build a legacy? Do you want to build a legacy? Psalm 103.17 says, But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting to those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children. This is your challenge, guys. This is your challenge right here. And I would say to you some very practical things here. Dads, make every effort to get to know the scriptures, to know the scriptures yourself. I hear from men all the time. They say, I just don't know the Bible that well. I just don't know the scriptures that well. Let me tell you something. If you're building a legacy, that, that excuse holds no water. It, has no, it holds no water whatsoever. Because I can tell you there was a time you didn't know how to drive and you learned how to drive, didn't you? There was a time you didn't, you didn't know how to read and you learned how to read, didn't you? And so there's a time maybe that you don't know the scripture, but you, you can learn the scripture because the scripture is not an insurmountable mountain that you cannot climb. The scripture is something that you take piece by piece, day at a time. And I would challenge you guys, if you say, I don't know the scripture that well, I would challenge you to take John, the book of John, and read one verse per day. I'm not talking about reading the whole thing. I'm saying you read one verse early in the morning. Read that thing and and read that scripture. And then think about that scripture for the rest of the day. Just one verse. And I would say this to you as well. Let your children see you reading the scriptures. Read it to them. Just that one verse. It won't kill them. 
It won't drag them along for a long period of time. Be the example they need when you read the scriptures to them. Do the best you can to explain it to the children, the best you know how. And don't be worried so much about being accurate. You can be accurate. I'm not saying don't be accurate. What I'm trying to say is, is don't be worried about making a mistake. You can come back and you can say, I made a mistake on that. The only problem I've got is if I have to, if you were going to ask me to preach, um, preach messages on all the mistakes I made, I'm not going to live that long. I made that many mistakes. I'm just trying to say to you, don't worry about that as much. Do your best and fix what is wrong when you do make a, a mistake. But get into the scriptures. One scripture a day. That wouldn't, that wouldn't be crazy. I would also say, dads, get to know your spiritual gifts and serve the Lord with them. Every person who knows the Lord has a spiritual gift. You have been given that gift, but you have not been given that gift so that you can sit on it. The scripture says in Romans 12, verse 6, it says, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. You see, if you know the Lord, you've been given a spiritual gift. You've not been given all of those spiritual gifts, but you have been given a spiritual gift at least. And they are to be used to redeem other people in some way. The craziest thing I think about Baptists is that we preach that everyone has a spiritual gift. And then we will put you in a Bible study that emphasizes this. And then we never expect you to use it. Never expect you to use it said, even the deacons in a Baptist church may neither know their spiritual gifts nor are they expect to, expected to use them. But if you're going to leave a legacy, see, a legacy needs to go beyond the norm. I have the spiritual gift of teaching. That is, I wanted the spiritual gift of prophecy. I want you to know. And for the long, when somebody said, oh, you're just a teacher. When I first became a, a pastor, I said, I'm going to fix that. And so I tried to act like a prophet. I tried to get in your face. I tried to tell people the way it was. I mean, I was terrible at it. I was terrible and it was not redeeming anyone. And the reason was is because I didn't have that gift. I am a teacher. I do not have the ability to blow you away with sermons like a prophet would. I just do not have that in me. And God's okay with that, so I'm okay with that. I also don't have the gift of mercy, which would help with my pastoral skills, too. You know what I'm trying to tell you? But I don't have the gift of mercy. And so, but that, you know, that doesn't give me a, that doesn't give me a pass. I mean, I don't need to show mercy sometimes. It just means I don't have that spiritual gift. But knowing my spiritual gifts gave me focus on what the Lord expects me to produce. And I said the word right, produce. Because you are to produce fruit. And if you're not producing fruit, you're certainly not using that spiritual gift in some way. So you are there to redeem people in this. Matthew 25 tells the parable of the talents. You remember that story. A man goes away, master goes away, and he's going to journey, and he takes, he takes three men that are going to manage his money while he's gone. Now, what does he expect when, you, when I say I'm going to, you're going to manage my money? If you give your money to a money manager, what do you expect him to do? Give me your money back later? No. What do you expect him to do? Invest your money, right? And what you expecting him to do? So he says he gets one five talents, one two talents, and one one talent. Now, a talent, people don't recognize this, is about a half a million dollars. So understand, this is not chump change here. Okay, you understand what I'm saying? And each man is expected to bring a return. But I would say that what's going on with people in their spiritual gifts today is most people today are bringing back the gift that God has given them 
empty of any reward. Here's the gift you gave me, Lord. I don't have anything to show for it. There's no fruit here. See, God has given gifts according to how he's made you. And his faithfulness is coming back with a reward. Putting people in Bible studies that produce nothing is an affront to God. I'm just telling you, if you go into a Bible study and it produces nothing, it is an affront to God. There should be something that is produced out of this. Dads, also, note the changes that you have because you were a believer. You should be changed. You should be different than you, than you were. See, this should be noticeable to you. It should be noticeable to others. And it should be noticeable to your children as well. John 14, 16 says, and I, will give the, uh, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to uh, be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. You should be different because the Holy Spirit resides inside of you. And you should be changed by the Holy Spirit See, a legacy will require a man to mature in spiritual things. There should be a maturity that comes from the Holy Spirit living in you and you responding to the Spirit. You're not quenching the Spirit. You're not grieving the Spirit. You quench the Spirit. When the Spirit leads you to do something, you don't do it. Okay? You you grieve the Spirit. When the Spirit says, don't do that, you do it. It's what I'm just trying to say. So you, you're not quenching and you're not grieving the Spirit. When Paul wrote to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, he was having a fit with these people. Because here's the reason why. He said, 1 Corinthians 3 verse 1. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with, so, with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready yet. And so, this is not about knowing the scriptures. This is about maturing through the Holy Spirit. And if you continue to read that, you'll look and you'll see that in the next couple of verses, what their real problem was. You know what it was? It was jealousy and strife. They had jealousy and strife. And have you ever seen jealousy and strife more than you find in little children? You'll find, you got my toy, I'm going to take that toy away from you. Or I, didn't, I, don't, I, I like that toy, I'm going to take that toy from you. That's, that's, and jealousy is there. And strife. And there's a battle that goes on. You don't understand what's going on. And this is what people act like. Now, I would have to say to you that we have a wonderful group of deacons at this church. And I want to say that up front. And says so that's not true in many churches. In fact, in many churches, I've talked with pastors, the most grievous time that they have all month long is going to deacons meeting. They hate to go to deacons meeting. And the reason is because, you know why? And you, they'll, they'll, they'll cover it up every way there is. But I'll tell you what they have. Jealousy and strife. They act like little children. That's what goes on sometimes in these meetings. And I had a friend, this is years ago, not in a church that I served in, in part, as part uh, of, of the story, in fact. And, so, and when uh, he'd gone to that church and he'd served in that church, they asked him to become a deacon. And he turned it down. And he said that the reason that he wanted to turn it down is because the reputation of the deacons was so bad that he didn't want to be counted among them. That's the reason why. You see, what is going on, that jealousy and strife is normal amongst people who do nothing with their spiritual gifts. 
They don't grow whatsoever. So dad, do the things that are expected of those who create a legacy. I'll tell you some of those things. Take your children to church. Don't make it mom's job to urge everyone to go to church. Get prepared the night before. Don't get up and say, you know what? Where are my shoes? Do it the night before. Find out where your shoes are the night before. Get prepared so that you are leading your family to church. Show love to their mother by serving her. Open the door for her. Help around the house. Give her some time off too. I know men, men, you go on hunting trips and fishing trips and you leave mom who also has a job. You leave her at home with kids. Why don't you give her a chance to do something sometime and give her a break and all of that, that sort of I'm talking about legacy stuff. This is not normal. I'm talking about you building a legacy. Third, I'd say spend time playing with your kids. Don't give them the leftovers. Don't come in so tired that what you do is you say, I'm going to throw the ball for maybe 10 times with the, with the boy, or I'm going to sit there with my daughter for five, five minutes because I'm just too tired to do anything. I'm going to sit and I'm just going to watch the TV. Take some time where you just you set aside to spend some time with your children in, in such a way that you can just play with them. And they will love you like you cannot believe because you have played with them. So take a day off and sometimes and just have fun with the kids. See, be the best image you can be to show who God is. You know, God isn't sitting in the balcony waiting to throw tomatoes at those that mess up. You're not the dad who says, I'm just going to be the one that disciplines the kids and that's all you're going to ever do. Be the best image of showing who God is. Be like God in this. You know, this morning I, I, I lost my wedding ring. I, I mean, I don't know how I lost it, but it was, it was actually sitting where I left it. I mean, and I, but I thought that I dropped it somewhere. So I went outside and I'm, I'm, I'm scouring the, 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 the pavement and I, I'm outside the church and I'm looking everywhere for it. And I'm, I was thinking of this scripture right here. This says in Second Chronicles 16, 9, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. And so what I was doing was, is that I was thinking because my eyes were moving back and forth, going to and fro. I was looking, I was looking for this, this ring right here because it was something that, that was mine. Do you understand? It was something that is mine and it represents something that is mine. And I did not want to lose it. God is in the same business with you. He's looking to and fro, and he's looking for someone that he can strongly support. He's looking for someone that is completely his, that is blameless before him. Do you want to be that person? Do you want to be that person that God is looking for? That's what a legacy is. Many times I've had sons ask me to read 2 Timothy 4.7 at their dad's funerals. 2 Timothy 4.7 says, I fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. But you see what the problem was, I knew their dads. They had never fought the fight of those who struggle for the Lord. They'd never entered the race in order to gain a victory. They never were examples of faith. But these boys, these men, loved their dads. They wanted a dad who had a legacy. That's why they wanted this red. They wanted a dad who had a legacy. And so even though their dads didn't resemble this scripture that I have here, they wanted their dads to have been that way. You see, they were just normal dads. 
And you know what? Their sons became normal dads too. Normal, not legacy. Normal. And you know what? More than likely, their grandchildren won't even know the Lord. That's what normal gets you. So I would say to you dads, now's the time to step up. And I know that some of you are going to say, it's too late. My children are grown. Well, this is not a story of a dad, but it is a story of a lady that I I knew. See, there was this lady, she was in her 80s, and she was a fall-down drunkard kind of individual. She was the individual that drank early in the morning, and she drank to the end of the night. She didn't know half of her day was already gone because she was just fact gone. She's in her 80s at this time, and she comes to know Jesus. That lady was such that when she came to know Jesus, you know that some people, when they get saved, they get saved all the way. We say that now that's not really true. You're either saved or you're not saved. But I want to tell you what, this lady was on fire for the Lord. You know, she didn't only quit drinking, but she shared her faith. She was in a wheelchair by now. And I said to her, I said, you know what? I said, you don't have to, you don't need to be baptized. She looked at me and she said, you will baptize me. I said, yes, ma'am, I will baptize you. And so she was that kind of individual that she was telling people about the Lord. And there was no doubt how she was doing it. She was, she was in your face and she was right there on it. I did her funeral about 20 years ago. She left a legacy, even though she started very late in life. I will say that. And the reason I know that, I remember her now. I remember her now. So dads, you can have that legacy too. Let's pray. Father, I do pray. I do pray for all the dads that are here. I pray that they will step up to the plate.